0: What's up, guys and girls? Welcome to episode number fifteen on the Better with Brock podcast. I'm here with my friend, my client, Tyler Murphy. Yeah, give us a bit of an intro, man. It's awesome to have you on board. Um, I actually should have worn my support made shirt. I I just thought of that as soon as I got it. I was like, oh, I've got the shirt. I've got the hoodie. I would have been so prepared.
1: Oh man, uh, I got it on. I'm wrapping it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but just uh, give us a bit of an intro, like. Um, Just from my perspective, you know, we've been working together for a while now, over 80 weeks. I think it's the end of this eight-week program will be 88, week 88, which is like a long time, over a year, well over a year. Um, But yeah, you've been through a lot. We've achieved a lot. Um, But yeah, just give everyone a bit of an intro.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, Hey, guys. As Brock said, my name is Tyler. Um, I've been working with Brock since August 2020. Um Fitness has always been something that's been really important to me uh, uh, both aesthetically, you know that's obviously a big part of it, but uh, mental health has always been a big part of it for me. Um, no problem sharing this. I am type 1 bipolar, uh, so for me, working out has always just been a matter of keeping a level head and just kind of getting rid of any anxiety and stress. Um, yeah, and it's just a good serotonin boost for me. Uh, I've been in and out of the gym since I was fifteen, and I've done everything from like Barry's boot camp to I used to box competitively, um, just amateur, nothing big, but it was something I enjoyed. Not you know, not a lot of fun always getting punched in the head, but it was <laughs> pretty fun getting to punch other people in the head. Um, and yeah, I guess everything's kind of always come back to just traditional style lifting for me. That's where it all started. Uh, I guess, you know, achieving goals, whether it be with, you know, nutrition and, you know, body fat percentage to, I guess, the big stuff being, you know, like compound lifts and hitting a, a high, you know, one rep max on a squat or a deadlift or a bench. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of, where the main passion of it all lies for me. And that's why I enjoy doing it.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing that I always try to gravitate towards, like focusing on being strong or being on, or being, or yeah, developing your lifts because like, say with you, we've, we've dropped like our first eight weeks, eight to 16 weeks, we, we got really lean. Like, you know, we achieved a great body fat percentage in terms of what you're talking about. You know, aesthetics is an important thing. And I think anyone who says, oh, I just want to, you know, I don't care about how I look. I think there's a little bit of lies in there. Like we all kind of care about how we look because that's, it's not just about how we look. It's how we portray ourselves. It's our confidence as well. It's our self-esteem. You know, not that we need to tie it together, but it helps when you're looking good because you feel better as well. And it kind of comes through in your confidence, but it's I think it's important as a coach to be like well it's you know because sometimes you have to like once you get really lean you have to bite the bullet and realize that you can't just keep getting lean you're going to have to go through you know a period of time where you get thicker you know where you get, you know where you gain body weight where you focus on building muscle because you have to that's the only way you can build muscle you can't just stay in a calorie deficit for the rest of your life and and you've like strived, man. You've been hitting, is it, especially recently, you know, uh, we've been doing four reps, you've been getting really strong. So, like, so what have you had to shift to go from like just chasing aesthetics to like getting stronger? Is it a mindset shift? Obviously, I'm doing your programs, so I'm yeah. changing the programs and everything. But, like, how do you kind of deal with that? Because it's like it's tricky to go from I'm super lean to accepting that you have to put on body fat to get strong.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think it's been a, um, you know, it's definitely been a combination of things, obviously trusting you, uh, to where I got to a point where I was just like, mate, treat me like your project and just have fun with my programming, knowing that I have these focus areas. Uh, and you know, that was obviously my choice in the direction I wanted to go. But I think personally, uh, what I had to really overcome was a mental thing. Um, I guess I'm, you know, to some degree have had a level of body dysmorphia and, um, you know, coming away from the leanest I've ever been in my entire life. I think I was down to like 7% body fat, uh, which was insane. And it looked amazing. But when I finally got to a point quite recently where I realized that realistically for me, you know, I, I enjoy food. I really enjoy food (laughs) and um, that aligning that with trying to get stronger just kind of goes hand in hand. And that because of that, I have to accept that I might have a little extra pudge here and there as long as I keep it controlled. And I think that that's probably been the biggest shift in my biggest journey over the course of working with you is acknowledging that I have strengths in other areas and to really focus on that. And then being proud of the fact that I know I can get to that lean stage, but just being happy with the current part of the journey that I'm on and acknowledging those strides.
0: Yeah, I think like that's what a lot of people forget. Like you can always go back there it's not like oh, I did that, I'll never be that person again. Like there's a lot of people online that do bodybuilding comps and they throw back to like competition day because they were that lean and they like kind of glorify that, you know, as if it's never gonna happen again. But like you have to, if you want to change long-term, like it's easy to be lean, but it's quite funny when you kind of meet these people online that say have big followings and they look quite jacked and quite huge they're actually quite small because they try to stay like that the whole time, but you can't like, I, I can get very lean and I stay relatively lean throughout the year, but there's times where I'm definitely thicker and I'm like carrying a bit more body fat, but that's when I'm like getting really strong. And that's where I'm building the most of my muscle mass. Like you have to kind of take it with both. Cause if you try to do both at the same time, it's really tricky. Like we've had that conversation before because it's like you, yeah, but you have, started to understand that you have to go through that stage where it's like, okay, I'm shifting the goalposts. Like I'm just changing the focus right now. I'm not trying to be lean. I'm not trying to see abs. I'm probably going to have to let go of abs and just just focus on being strong. And that's why it's important to focus on being strong because it's not just about what you look like. It's more so about what your body can do.
1: And you're getting really
0: strong now, especially for your body weight. You're cranking out some good numbers.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, I had a moment in the gym on Saturday when I doing my deadlifts where I was, I was feeling rough. I was just getting over being a little bit uh, crook last week and this guy walked up to me, never spoke to the guy in my life. And I had just thrown on the one fifties and he was like, he was like, mate, that's impressive. And I, and that was like rocket fuel. And I thought to myself, I've never had anybody come up to me and be like, oh, you're so lean. You know, <laughs> I had somebody come up to me and say, you know, acknowledge acknowledge the effort I was putting into a certain amount of weight. And that was kind of like a weird light bulb moment of like, oh, I, I enjoy this type of programming so much more. And, you know, full respect to anybody who's on the opposite end of that spectrum and you focusing on, being lean and hypertrophy and all that, you know, that, that angle of it. And if that's your forte, then by all means, keep rolling with it. Uh, but for me having that, I guess, validation, uh, was, a was a cool moment. And I, to be honest with you, I think that's what helped me hit that PB was just that, that little comment from that guy that made me just cruise through it. Yeah. And I think it's great that you
0: get to a point where you're focusing on what you can do with your body. Because I think long term, when we look back at, you know, we're 70, we're 60, we're probably not gonna be walking around, you know, feeling amazing or looking like Greek gods, you know, having, <laughs> you know, having six packs or whatever, but, but we're still focusing on like, what you can do with your body, like long term. And I always think about that. I kind of always zoom out and be like, okay, what are we gonna look back at long term? And it's pretty much gonna be like, what you can do with your body. and if you can do this stuff now that helps you build muscle, it helps you stay more sturdy, less fragile as you get older. And not that that's the real goal now is like longevity or like prevention of injury as you get older. But like it all comes hand in hand where this person that's just focusing on being lean 24 seven, like you're not going to like harbor that longevity or those results long term. I kind of want to dive into it a little bit and, and excuse my ignorance, like I don't know too much about it, but type one bipolar, can you like give me a bit of a rundown of like what that's like? Like just share what you're comfortable with. Like, I don't want you to dive too far in, but I'm, you know, I don't know too much about it and like how that's
1: impacted your journey. Oh, absolutely. So um, there's type one, type two, and I believe there's now even a type three. Uh, I was diagnosed in 2016, Um, I had been diagnosed with depression when I was 18 Um, and I feel like even at that time in 2004, bipolar still wasn't very, you didn't hear about it as often. So what it ended up being, you know, when I was diagnosed with bipolar 12 years later, um, it turns out that I was misdiagnosed at at the time with with, uh, depression. So for me, and I think a lot of it's been environmental for me. Uh, So I was diagnosed when I lived in, when I used to live in New York city and what, you know, everybody's experience is different. Uh, So mine would be, you know, bouts of manic. So I'd be like the life of the party. Let's go out. Let's party. Um, I'd spend all my money and then I wouldn't have money to make rent. And then i'd go into this deep depression and i wouldn't get out of bed for four days um you know harmful thoughts uh though i never moved forward with those Mm. you know luckily thankful um and boxing was a big part of my life at the time i was diagnosed um and you know talk about getting rid of anger and aggression i was punching people in the face like it was it was a pretty awesome thing and it was, like for me it was the perfect outlet and i was still doing weightlifting and stuff at the time but um i think given my environment of new york city where it's just go 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 all the time yeah and then having an outlet like boxing to where it was just the ultimate in i mean you know you do jujitsu so there's just a level of like having that intense body contact where you just you're you're hurting someone and you know it's not like a I don't want to say like you get pleasure out of hurting someone but you just you get pleasure out of like knowing that you're dominating that situation yeah
0: I was gonna say dominance
1: it's more so like you get that feeling like
0: you have the potential to dominate someone
1: yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) or get dominated (laughs) uh,
1: (laughs) so yeah I mean for me that was just that was my avenue at that time. That was my path. And, um, you know, I'm on, I'm on medication and I'll be on medication for my entire life. Um, you know, and I have to check in with a psychiatrist every now and again, but since I've moved to Australia and you know, the ocean is my kind of my, my happy place, I guess, if you will. Um, and now living in a space where I can hear birds and I can, you know, see the ocean and, um, I have a better work life balance um it's you know the the bipolar thing has luckily taken a back seat um but you know again i attribute fitness to to a lot of that as well is making sure that i'm listening to my mental health and making sure that i'm listening to my body and and going into a space like the gym to make sure that i take care of myself
0: yeah there's something about it and i think like Uh, because I'm doing combat sport as well, like, you know, when you were doing boxing, I'm doing, I'm doing jujitsu. There's something about, I think, combat, like there's something, you know, like they're quite different jujitsu and boxing, but there's, uh, I I don't know, there's something about exerting yourself that feels really good. And and you get that from jujitsu, from boxing, but you also get that from weights as well. Like kind of just, yeah, like physically, Exhausting yourself feels really freeing. I'm yeah. not, yeah. Like I've never really, like I've struggled with mental health in the past. Like especially when I moved away from my family in New Zealand and I lived on my own, I kind of did it to myself. You know, I was like, I thought I had to conquer the world at 18 so, or at 20. So I like left the house. I was like, I'm gonna go change the world. I moved from crushers to Auckland, and I thought that was a huge step. But I lived like I lived on my own. I had no money. Um, you know, same sort of thoughts that I had. And like, you know, I never really dealt with losing my mom when I was young. So I had this kind of stuff to face. I like, I I never saw anyone or got a diagnosis. So I'm not trying to claim anything like it's, you know, and it's never going to be a competition of whose life is worse. But, you know, I went through times, but even though I didn't do do jujitsu back then, I always, like, exerted myself with training or, like so, so at some point in my life, I was into cardio. I'm definitely not into cardio now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would exert myself and I would always feel feel better, you know, after. Like, even though the situation hadn't changed, I would always feel better. So, like, would you feel like that you would, like, if you felt these emotions, would you go to boxing or would you try and apply that? Or was it just something that you kind of did that was in the schedule that just yeah, made you feel I better? Yeah,
1: when I especially when I was training for a fight, um, I think, I don't think it was something that I consciously was like, oh, by going to the gym, I'm going to mentally feel better. When I committed to fighting or, you know, competing, well, that's it. I've committed to competing. So now that means I need to be at the gym at this time and at this time. And like my coach even moved in with me for three months leading up to my fight, like, I committed coach. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we were both kind of in a spot where it was like, he was looking for a place to live and, you know, New York city is the most expensive city in the world. So, um, you know, paying for a, a, a coach was expensive. So we just met in the middle and he lived with me rent free and I didn't pay for training. So it was a, It was a good, you know, that was our agreement, but by doing so, I had somebody monitoring me 24 seven, you know, I had somebody that was holding me accountable at all times. Um, you know, and we were, we were good friends too. Like that was the beauty in it, you know, to where I would wake up in the morning. And if I was going to grab something that wasn't as nutritious, um, you know, in competing in the lead up to a competition, he'd call me out on it or if I had an early morning session the next day and he, and I wasn't home by a certain time, I would get a text. And it would be like, where are you at? Um, you know, and it was, and it was a very unique situation, but I committed and by doing so, you know, I, I got to the level I wanted to get to, but I guess kind of bringing it back to your original question, um, I think maybe even subconsciously by me committing to something I, you know, it's just like, I know that by doing so it's, it's going to have that positive effect on my mental health. Um, and as opposed to just being like, well, I have to go to the gym today because of my brain. Um, it's just, it was kind of like
0: a ripple effect of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. and, And I think one part of it is feeling progress. I think that that's really healthy for our mental state as well. I think that the times where I was struggling and I'm not saying this is the sole reason, but I felt a bit, I guess, purposeless or kind of like, you know, just going with it, like just cruising. But as soon as like, say you competed or, or signed up for competing, then you had something to work towards and then you have this kind of progress that's pushing you. I feel like that really helps. Like, so for example, with jujitsu, the belt system is one of those things. Like I'm a white belt. I've got one stripe end of last year. That's like, oh, I'm making progress. And then I'll keep working hard and then I'll get another stripe and then another stripe and then another stripe and then I'll get my blue belt. And then, you know, so you're kind of hooked up to this progress, which I think helps because you're, you feel like you're getting better, which helps you with confidence and all that kind of stuff. But you're also going somewhere. And that kind of applies everywhere, you know, with work as well. Like if you have these goals and you're making progress, like I know you're a very goal-driven dude. I feel like, and I am too, but I feel like I kind of have to be because if I don't, like even these days, if I feel like I've done all my tasks and stuff, I'm a bit of a wreck. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. I, like, you know, I have all this energy. I want to apply it to things and I feel like progress Or like just applying yourself to things, saying yes to things or for you signing up to competing, doing these things, like really applying yourself as a person. I think that like human beings were made to progress towards things as opposed to just kind of cruise. And I feel like when you get to that point, and this might just be my experience. So jump in if I'm, you know, just kind of saying things that you're not (laughs) super agreeing with. Like, I feel like when I'm applying myself to things, I feel like I'm a much happier person because I feel like. You know, it gives me purpose.
1: Absolutely, and it's you know, I'm I'm a very organized person. Like I, I love a good spreadsheet, and having, I I think it's kind of a visual thing of like seeing things that are organized, and um, and you know, goals kind of fall in that same box of, um, knowing what you're working towards, knowing what the equation is to get the result that you're that you're hoping for. And, you know, I, to, to bring it to our training program um, weekly check-ins and, you know, it's funny. Like if, if I hand my partner my phone or I give my phone to a friend, like, Hey, can you find this for me? And it's like, you know, most people are like, don't scroll through my pictures. And it's like, well, you can scroll through my pictures, but there are going to just be a ton of photos of me in my underwear from my (laughs) weekly check-ins. But it's having, it's having those weekly check-ins that you kind of look back on things that everything kind of goes, comes back into perspective of, wow, look how far I've come. And then that automatically for me personally, just kind of triggers, well, if I've done that in that amount of time, what am I going to look at you know, eight weeks from now, like what, when I go back and scroll through my phone, what's the progress going to to be? And I, and creating that habit and creating that routine, I think, um, you know, is super healthy for me mentally. Um, and, and knowing that I'm working on a healthy routine for myself. Um, which in turn you know helps me kind of put myself out there for the rest of the world as positive as, as I can be
0: yeah yeah 100% I think it's the like I think looking at progress like even just the transformation photo like you know to come back to that like progress kind of brings you purpose and then like kind of motivates you at the same time like just seeing your transformation photos like I remember you know like especially with fat loss, because it seems more extreme. Like as we're talking about, if you go into building phases and, and surpluses and just focusing on getting stronger, often aesthetically the change isn't huge. It's more what your body can do. But when you're yeah. going through fat loss and you see the two photos side by side, you know, you see where you started and where you come from. Like it's a massive pat on the back And that gives you that confidence to keep
1: going and keep making. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned in my time training with you is that, you can actually eat whatever the hell you want, but just stay in your, stay in your lane, stay in your limit, you know, keep your goal focused. Like I am, if I had to, if I could eat one thing for the rest of my life, it'd be chocolate. I love chocolate. Um, and there was a, a time in my life where I was like, I can't eat the things that I enjoy because that's going to result in, you know, me not looking the way I want to look. And since, working with you and having, you know, tracking my, my daily calories. It's like, you, you can still eat those things and you can still have that. And, you know, really finding the balance of having goals and routines and regimens and balancing that with, I can still do the things that I enjoy. Um, that's, that's been an awesome takeaway from all of this.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's one thing that fitness has definitely moved away from, that kind of hardcore, you can't eat anything else but clean foods and you have to be super extreme. I think we're kind of coming away from that a little bit. But I kind of wanted to talk to you about what America is like with training and with nutrition stuff. Because I remember I used to read articles and go on websites, check out guys, and they were often from America on like what they ate, the fitness model lifestyle, you know, like what their training was like. And it was always very restrictive. It was always very extreme. Like you have to do this at, at, point. No yeah, yeah, yeah. 9am you have to have just like chicken and greens and then, you know, 12pm you have to have tilapia and greens. And then you, you know, you might have a small little teaspoon of oats pre-workout, you know, like it was like very restrictive or like, waking
1: up and having apple cider vinegar <laughs>
0: Oh man! Don't get me started. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I went through that at one point in my life. Yeah, but, me too. Me too. But like, was that like, and like, I like, I I want to say like it it was an American thing, but I don't want to like say that. Like, I'd love to know what it was like for you living in New York. Like, what was it like? Like, what were people saying? You have to be keto. Was it like that whole type of thing? Or well,
1: I mean, there was always like, granted, I've lived in Australia for going on six years now, um, but. I grew up in the deep South in America. <laughs> um, so obesity is like rampant. Um, you know, so I guess fitness is you know, different depending on where you are in the United States. That's not to say that there are not fit people in the deep South, but statistically, you're gonna find more people who are obese and overweight than you are fit. Um, now, when I lived in New York, um, you know, you walk everywhere all the time. So, you know, people are hitting 20,000 steps a day as opposed yeah. to 10,000 steps a day. And, you know, you live in Sydney. Like, when you live in a major city, walking is just, you know, like eating. You just it's do what it. what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in when I was living in New York at the time, you know, like the big crazes was were, you know, Barry's boot camp and you know, that kind of hit style training. Um, And I just think, you know, another part of New York is looking good. So fitness, just about working out so you could look good. And, you know, when you went out at night, you looked like all the beautiful people. Um, So, you know, it was definitely part of society. I, for whatever reason, when I lived there at the time, I feel like keto was massive. Um, Keto was a big thing at that time. Um, I remember a lot of people were like on the, what was the caveman diet? Um, Like a paleo paleo. Um, That was a big thing. No processed foods.
0: Like, no, like, Carbohydrate vegetables. It was very yeah, just like meat vegetables. Like you weren't even allowed grains. I don't think you were allowed grains. It was
1: um, and then I remember there were quite a few people that at, at just at the time I was leaving, I remember they were on only like raw, like they would only juice, like that was their thing. They would get all their nutrients from like juicing, and I'm like how. What, like, how, how can you not chew something? Like, <laughs> I, like, I get enjoyment out of chewing. Um, so yeah, in you know, now that I've been here for quite some when I first moved over here, I had every intention of living in Sydney, but the first place I visited was the Gold Coast, and I was like, oh, this is yeah. home. And the Gold, actually, yeah, a lot of people from yeah. Sydney are actually moving to the Gold Coast now. It's, I mean, it's you know, it's the way of life, and it's just beautiful, and you know, it's blue skies, majority of the time. Um, but the gold coast is probably like per, you know, capita or whatever the, the ratio is, is probably one of the most fit places in the world. Yeah, everyone's um, up so early. Everyone's <laughs> up so early. Like Too I've, early. <laughs> I've usually, to be honest with you, I've usually hit my 10,000 steps by like 7.00 AM. Um, because everybody's up at 5.00 AM and walking. Yeah. Um, and so out of all of the places I've lived, just to kind of bring it back to your original question, Um, I feel like fit culture is way more of a thing here. And I don't know if that's just a sign of the times and how social media has evolved and, Mm. you know, you know, kind of that overload of, um, Insta models and influencers and, and that kind of life. Um, but yeah, I think people are a lot more conscious of it in Australia, um, and I just think it's everything to do with, you know, work-life balance and just quality yeah. of life is, I personally believe is better in Australia. Yeah
0: I've, yeah, I've heard that. I've been to New York as well just for a day and to see the vibe there, it's very different. It's such a different vibe. Like I thought coming from Christchurch, which is a small city in, in New Zealand, which is a small country, and then going to New York, I was like, I thought Auckland was busy. And then I thought Sydney was busy. And then you go to New York and then you like you think Sydney's like a chilled holiday town. Like New York's crazy. You can't find space on the on the pavement to walk. It's super loud. All you can hear is like horns like meh meh meh. Like everyone's like, get out of the way. Like everyone's going somewhere. I feel like that is very different to the vibe here, obviously in Australia, that whole work-life balance and the climate as well. Like it's it's nice weather here. People often, especially the Gold Coast, they go there for that kind of slower pace of life, like where you can get up and walk and enjoy the sun and walk your dog and do that kind of stuff. Where in New York, people are kind of really just kind of hustling.
1: Oh, absolutely. And like that, that was a big reason why I left was, you know, especially in the winter months, that would be when, you know, the low points of my mental health would really, really hit. Because in winter you wake up, it's still dark outside. And there's a good chance that by the time you get off the subway, when you're walking into work, the sun is just now starting to make an appearance, but because of all the tall buildings, you're not really getting that vitamin D. And then by the time you leave work at, you know, it's very normal. It's a very normal thing in New York to not leave work until six 30 or seven o'clock at night. And it's dark. You've missed the sun. You've missed the entire day of sun. You know, you may maybe dip out on your lunch break to get some lunch or whatnot, but that's that is not enough time um, for the human you know body and mind to be you know experiencing sun um and it just it's a very dark and gloomy place in the wintertime now you know spring and summer it's it's popping it's a lot of fun mm. um, but it's for me it just that the hustle and bustle of of the city, you, you know, you, you never slow down. And even when you're sleeping at night, you hear all the noises going on subconsciously and you, so your brain never shuts off. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I,
0: I think also what you do for fun over there is different, like
1: just in, in bigger cities,
0: like here in Sydney, like I've, well, I've never really lived that New York lifestyle, but when you see your friends, you're should we go for a walk? Should we go for a swim? You know, you're doing things that are active and fun. Yep. Or you're going to the park like if they have kids and you're playing around and stuff like that but I feel like in in New York and you know I went to LA and Chicago when I went over to America and it was you know it was very kind of let's meet up for dinner let's you know it's like pretty sedentary or like it's around eating or it's around drinking and yep. you know, pe- obviously people in Australia still party they still drink and you know they still do all that stuff But I feel like it's more common over here to do things yes. like a bit more physical and a bit yeah yep. or a bit like you know healthy yeah, not that you're trying to meet up and be healthy, but
1: it just kind of happens because of where yeah, you're based. Absolutely, yeah. The focus is definitely different in terms of the various options, and you know, another reason for that in New York, you know, in LA, people go hike. You know, the stereotypical they go do Runyon Canyon, and yeah, have you know, done is, that. Yeah, there is that. There is a bit more of that element to where people can say, "Oh, let's go do something a bit more active today." But in New York, you know, unless you're going to go walk in Central Park, you know that as beautiful as it is, it gets old Um, and to do anything else. You have to take a train or a plane out of the city um, to experience any other kind of, you know, environment. So yeah, I guess that was my long winded answer as to how it's a bit different um, between the two spots.
0: Yeah. I I guess I've just seen like, especially dealing with a lot of clients in America and like you being there, but also seeing what Australia is like. Cause I've seen, I feel like, american people in general kind of well i just felt like they've like fallen for stuff a lot harder but i feel like the marketing's a bit more aggressive over there like like there's this guy that was like i don't even want to say his name but he was saying like tea is bullshit tea is killing you if you drink tea blah 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 you know and like i'm not saying that all americans are like this but he's like you know he's like saying that it's like thing that's gonna kill you and it's like super extreme and you watch that and you kinda of get a bit like, oh man, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. And I feel like I've been trying to un almost unteach this kind of extreme marketing because that's what's like popping off. That's what gets views. That's what turns heads. Yep. And fear, especially fear-based fear-based
1: marketing. Yeah, it's
0: like fear-based. Yeah, it's like it's like manipulation as opposed to motivation, which is what Simon Sinek talks in that book. Um, start with why, which is what I'm reading at the moment. But yeah, there's a it's, it's very fear-based. Yeah, like don't eat this, or you're going to be fat, or don't eat this because it's going to kill you. But the solution is wrapped up in their expensive package or their expensive product or whatever they have to do. Like, yeah, once you step back and see it, it's very obvious. But I feel like yeah, there's a lot of that. Like even that V Shred dude. I'm not sure if you've seen him and pop up on your ads, but he pops up heaps on YouTube, and he's like, you know, saying that you you need to be having this one food to boost your testosterone. And if you're not having this food, then you know, you're wasting your time in the gym. And this is how the six pack celebrities get this. And obviously you have to sign up for this program to get it. But it's yeah. very like, if you're not doing this, like you're a failure, you're wasting your time. So immediately you're like, if you're buying into it, you're fearful that you're wasting your time, that you're not doing it right. It's just like an extreme version of marketing. I feel like it's very yeah. prominent over
1: there. Oh, absolutely. And I think another, especially in America, uh, and as an American, I can say this, we're always looking for the fastest option. Um, the, the quickest route to get to what we want. And, uh, that's nine times out of 10, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Um, so between, you know, the, the fear-based marketing and this get skinny fast or get fit fast. Yeah. Yeah people are just kind of ignoring the reality of the situation. Um, And, and, you know, you know, for some people it's just about taking the time to educate themselves. And again, a lot, a lot of the times people don't want to do that because they just want the quick route. It's such a hard sell
0: because me as a personal trainer, like I, you know, I come from New Zealand, like, like we tell it how it is. And I'm like, well, it's, it's going to take a year to drop, you know, someone's like, can I drop 20 kg? You know, someone told me I can do it in four weeks or, you know, someone told me I can do it in eight weeks. I'm like, that's a lot of weight. Like that's going to take a lot of time. Like it's going to take the greatest overload. And I like go into this, like, well, actually what it takes, not the secret gimmicky bullshit. I'm like, this is what it's going to take. And then I just kind of lose them. It's like, well, like, like what mindset shift did you go through to change yourself from thinking I need it tomorrow to, okay, this is going to take work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I signed on with you, what, April, May, June, July, August, five months into COVID. Um, so I knew that I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> like I knew, that, I knew that we had some time to work on some things. Um, and, you know, I definitely packed on the kilos in the initial few months, of you know, not doing anything and living a sedentary lifestyle. Um, so for me, I think it was just kind of a change in circumstances. Like I was just kind of forced to being patient. Um,
0: yeah, I think a lot of people went through that when COVID hit. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like we were just kind of forced to just take a step back and focus on the things that we could focus on and have to just kind of let everything else fall to the wayside and and let it take its course in due time. Um, and you know, personally, i feel like you know the in the our first eight weeks together there was a drastic change there was a drastic change yeah but that was because i just kind of put my you know face to the ground and got the work done um and and i'm i'm glad that i did so because i think it was that eight weeks that really made me kind of shift perspective and you know, I'm not someone that can sit here and and think of different exercises and how to balance out my macros. That's why I come to you, um, and that's why I trust you to do that for me. But you know, it's it's a very simple thought process. Workout if you want to gain weight, make sure you're having the right type of workout. But you're in a calorie surplus, you got to eat more. Or if you want to lose weight you gotta eat less, like it, it goes hand in hand. And I think, um, you know, signing on with you and, and learning those basic principles of <laughs> if this is what you want, this is what you have to do and sticking to it and realizing that there's no fad out there that's going to replace simple science. Uh, That's
0: one thing that people get messed up with is the whole method versus principles. So you're talking about the principles, calorie surplus to gain weight, calorie deficit to lose weight, you know, training hard or progressive overload, you know, training to a certain intensity. Like these are principles that it's based on. But going back to this kind of marketing that people are doing, they're talking about methods. Which is completely different, and I'm all for methods if they work for you. Like if intermittent fasting works for Tyler, then I'm going to say, "Man, let's do intermittent fasting." But that's just a method; that's not a principle. And and I think that's where people get a bit confused because they yep. think, like like I even have family members, and I never push my personal training onto them, like you know, like oh, you should do this diet or you should try this or that. I just kind of let them go through it because I. I don't like people pushing stuff on me personally as well. So I just kind of let them go through If they ask for me, I'm all, I'll give advice. But if they don't ask, I'm not going to push it on them. And I have um, a family member that like started fasting and, and, and she was like, I've lost weight because I've started fasting and I'll, you know, but straight away, there's this confusion with method versus principle because she thinks it's the fasting, but it's not the fasting that's, helping her drop weight it's the calorie deficit behind it she's like i've lost five kilos and it's been a month and i was like that's awesome and i was trying to explain but like it's you know because now she's frustrated that she's stopped losing weight and she's fasting but so now (laughs) you know the method's not working but i need to talk about the principle and, and 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 i feel like that's where people get a bit mixed up and it's that whole education thing in the background that you just need to have it's like that is actually what's making a change but too many people are talking about methods, intermittent fasting, keto, vegetarian, now carnivores, running rampant, eating raw stuff. And like, it's it's confusing. So I'm like, it's, it's you know, I'm grateful for people like you, because even you are like, like you'll tell your friends, it's, it's the calorie deficit or it's the calorie surplus. It's like principles. You have to train hard. You got to sleep more. You got to get your son. You got to get your steps. And like, these are principles that people can live by as opposed to methods that people try to live by, but then they stop working and they get confused why they're not working. It's because the principles they're standing by aren't
1: really working anymore. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think people try to also overcomplicate things. You know, they yeah, think... because it sounds smart when it's complicated. Exactly. It, spot on. <laughs> spot on. And what people need to realize is like, you know, we are literally living you know, everybody's go, goes through their own journeys, but like when it, when you just kind of break it down to, you know, the discussion of fitness and and wellness, it's literally the most simple thing. Like walk, move, you know, if you get like, it is proven that if you move, it's better for your brain and it's just better for your body. And, you know, either eat more or eat less and eat the things you enjoy, but stay in, your fence, yeah. and you will tick all the boxes you are trying to tick to achieve your goals. And if you just realize that it's that simple, and you know, for me, the way I realized it was that simple is I just kind of put my faith in you and said, You know, mold me, Brock. Um, and <laughs> mold <laughs> me, I am your clay, <laughs> I am your clay, mold <laughs> me. Um, and everything else just, I look back at everything else I've tried to do in the past. And I'm like, how did I not get to this point sooner? Like, it just makes complete and total sense. Yeah. And I come back to that whole method versus
0: principle thing. Like even say you're doing Barry's bootcamp, which is where you started, you know, they, you know, like you think it's because you're doing Barry's. That's why you lost weight. Oh, how'd you lose weight? Oh, it's because I'm doing Barry's. It's not because of you. You know, like there's no education of what actually Barry's did to get you there because they like to, companies often like to hide the principle because then you can do it yourself. (laughs) Like, because then you'll, you know, you might stop going to Barry's. But I kind of think the opposite where like, if you actually empower them with the principle, if they go, they go, who cares? I think there's plenty of fish in the sea. But I think if you empower people and give them the keys, they're probably more likely to stay than to leave because they're like, thank you. Yeah. For, for getting yeah. me the results. Like what else can I learn? And then you got a client for life or you have a, a Barry's bootcamp member for life. Like that's my theory anyway, you know, and that's kind of been proven, you know, I, I guess with my personal training where I've sustained clients for a long amount of time and like kept a good relationship because I feel like I've almost been that hand when they're drowning in like misinformation, I'm like, come to the, <laughs> come to the light side hey, where yeah. it's like, you know, like this is the light. And then I feel like people will stay like with personal training when I was face-to-face and I'm not saying this to gloat or anything, but when I had face-to-face clients, I was very active for the first three months of my career in Sydney. Cause the, cause the, um, in Sydney was where I really stayed for a longer time and personal trained for three years. Like I was very active for three months. I went from, zero sessions to about 60 plus sessions per week in three months. I was very hungry. I was like talking to people on the gym floor and you know trying to get people into my client base and, and, and get people results, teach them things. And after that kind of three months, I never walked the gym floor again because I would give people answers, they would get the answers, but they wouldn't leave and say, oh, thanks, Brock, I've used them for everything he's got and now I'm off they would actually stay because they learned and they got results. And then if people want results, they'll stay where they got them because it's unfortunate. A lot of people don't get results. Like it's actually very tricky to find a fitness solution, whether it's diet, whether it's training that actually works. So when people get it, they'll stay around. And I think that's true for like any business. Like if someone like if a marketing agency gets you good,
1: you know, return on investment, you'll probably stay with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, you're kind of, I mean, you're like my fitness yoda, you know? <laughs> like I just kind of kind of keep coming back to you with, you know, helping me to get what I want to achieve. And I think whether somebody's, you know, coming to you personally or they're going to, you know, the the Barry's boot camps or whatever, it's that that's kind of a tool for our toolbox. That's what is helping us work on ourselves. And if it if it works for you, well then you're going to continue to use that tool. And but just like any tool, you got to sharpen it to make sure that you can continue to use it. And, yeah. and that's, what's going to, you know, help propel you forward as you go along.
0: Yeah. I think that's where like, it's important to keep learning. Like I, I think giving people tools is empowering for you also as well, I'm just speaking from as a trainer because I've taught you stuff, but I'm still learning because I need to keep learning because if you do get everything and you kind of use up all your resources, then there's no need to stay with me or to stay with, you know, whatever you're using or Barry's bootcamp, because then you've learned everything. So it keeps me on my feet as well. Like, you know, I've been I've, I've been saying this quite a while, but I've been studying for like the first hour when I wake up because I just want to get it out of the way because I don't enjoy studying, <laughs> but I have to do it because, you know, I'm going to teach you stuff later on. That you'll be like, oh, I never knew that. You know, like I was learning about oxidative stress this morning. I don't find that super exciting, but it's it's what's going to help me with my programming, but also how you live your lifestyle and how stress can impact your results. So, you know, it's stuff that in the future I'll be able to tell people, and tell you, and tell everyone else in Team Brock Ashby. But if I wasn't sharing any information with you, you know, you'd probably be like, well, you know, I don't need to stick around anymore. So it's that kind of continual education more educational journey. What would you say the biggest thing that you've learned from at the moment? Like, not necessarily from me, but like with fitness that has worked for you, that you're like, I'm so glad that I learned this. What's been that thing?
1: Well, I'd say it's two things. Um, Equally, I think it's the nutrition side of things. Um, And, you know, you can still enjoy your food and enjoy what you like to eat. But I also think the progressive overload has been a really kind of like a all. Oh, yeah, like if <laughs> if you do if you do four sets of four at the same weight, you're going to be at that same weight. Whereas if you start maybe a little bit lower than what your your max is and work your way up, and maybe it's a mental thing, I don't know, but for me like when I go back into my Brock Ashby app and I see what the weight I did last week was, I'm like, "Okay, well, Where I was at my second set last week, I'm going to make that my first set so that I can just incrementally go up so that when Mm -hmm. I get to my last set, I'm just a little bit above where I was last week. And, you know, everybody thinks that they got to throw another 20 kilo plate on each side to make the jump. And it's like, no, that's, that's, it's all about like incremental. And it's, you know, instead of throwing a 20 kilo plate on additionally on each side, and if you can, then, then you're not starting high enough, first of all. But if you throw, you know, maybe a 2.5 kilo on each side, that's five kilos more than you did last week. And that's going to be where your body really starts to, to make the change. And by doing those things, I've been hitting PBs like crazy. And it's been amazing that each week I'm like tagging you on Instagram, like PB, PB, PB. Yeah. And it's, it's been a crazy response to my training. I think it's,
0: you know, like, it's not the amount of weight that you're putting on. It's the fact that you're putting weight on. Yep. I think that's much more important. And it comes back to that kind of, you know, you want that quick fix, quick result mentality that people have. Like, ah, I need to put 20 plates on and get strong really fast. But if you kind of zoom out and have this big picture and you're like, even a 2.5 plates, is awesome. Because when you look back over time and it gets harder to get stronger at that rate, it does get hard to get strong as you get more advanced because your body's like, oh, well, I've seen a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like as you get stronger in those little increments, that's where the progress is. It's the overall trajectory. Those small, like
1: I'm even happy for 1.25 plates on each side. Yep. Same. Same. <laughs> like anything. Yep. Especially on those, on the heavy compound lifts, you know, like that, i i feel pride for any little bit amount of weight extra more than i did the previous week because i know that i'm getting stronger and who knows maybe i could have done that same amount the last week but it's seeing it in front of me on the app to say oh well now i'm doing more than that because in the long run i'm just going to keep going higher um and that that's for me that's a huge motivation it's like some people like to run and they like to get a better time than they did last week for me i like to see that i put more weight on the on the bar than i did last week
0: yeah and and just from a physiological point of view like your body is saying i've never seen this stimulus before i've never lifted this amount of weight i'm going to need more muscle to lift this so then that's how to to put it really simply that's how you build muscle you do things you haven't done before (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Like, yeah, like that's how you do it. I, I, I think one thing that really shifted, I, I guess, in my experience in terms of getting stronger is that as well. Just the fact of progressive overload and whatever that looks like. For example, for me at the moment, my lateral raises have, have maxed out at like I'm doing 15 reps for 10 kg. If I go up to 12.5 kg, I can only get about eight reps and then I'm gone. Like it's a big jump for lateral raises because it's a small muscle. So what I've done this whole program is 15 reps for the first week. And then I've done 16 reps for the second week, 17 reps for the third week, and then 18 reps this week, which is what I've been doing. Just because I can't lift a heavier weight, but all I'm doing is doing an extra rep, but it's still a signal to my muscles like, hey, you haven't done this yet. So I'm still going to be making progress. It may not be as fast or as exciting as putting in a new weight, but it's still the fact of progressive overload. And that's where that patience comes into it. And that idea of making progress that you have to kind of just get obsessed with is like, it's just the fact about progress, not how much progress, because the more you do it, the harder it gets to make these crazy jumps and, you know, and, and it kind of look impressive. It's, it's often not impressive.
1: 1.25 plates. It's like,
0: you know, they're like this, uh, they're tiny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I think, again, that's where people kind of overcomplicate things is like, just look at it in its simplest form. It is progress and it doesn't need to be, you know, it's, it doesn't need to be like, Oh, it's progress, but it, you don't need to put the butt in there. It's you, you've made a stride in your training and and focus on that because that's going to be what keeps moving you forward to the next level. hundred percent. It's just progress. Like just be happy with that. It's not, but it
0: wasn't this, or but I could have done that. It's just progress.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I want to talk quickly about support mates because I love what it's about. Uh, You're wearing the t-shirt. I know that it's, it's, it's something that you're running. Can you tell people a bit what it's about because I'm
1: a hundred percent behind it. Yeah. And
0: and, And I think it's a great, it's a great
1: cause. Yeah, well, thank you for your support, first of all. Um, so I started Supportmates in 2019. We are a Gold Coast-based disability support service, and we help young adults who are just transitioning out of high school, uh, kind of find their place in the community uh, through various, you know, community activities. Um, but we place a big focus on health and wellness. So you know, yeah, we'll go to the movies today, or we'll go bowling today, but. Before we do anything, we're going to either do a gym workout or we're going to hit our steps um, and we're just going to get movement going because, you know, these young adults are at a very crucial part in their life where forming healthy habits um, is kind of integral to um, them living a healthy, independent life. Um, You know, and there's going to come a time where, you know, all all of our crew um, come from very beautiful families uh, and, You know, but the reality of the fact is, is that there's going to come a time where they can't depend on mom and dad anymore. Mm. And I don't know if they're going to be able to depend on us at a certain point. You know, it is our goal to make sure that they flourish and move on to the next stage in life. But before they get to that next stage in life, I want to ensure that they are forming healthy habits. And, you know, one of the things in the disability space that they talk about is choice and control and choice and control is an amazing thing. Uh, that an individual should have the right to make their own choices. But I think it is our responsibility as someone who supports people with disability to uh, educate them on healthier choice and control and, and kind of putting them down a pathway where they're not going to end up with diabetes or they're not going to end up obese. And that when they're living on their own, whether it be in a group environment or they're living, you know, in their own apartment with, 24 seven support that they make the decision of, Oh, Hey, let's go out for a walk today. Or, Oh, you know, instead of going to Macca's hungry Jack's or KFC, why don't we cook our own hamburger today mm. uh, and getting them into that habit of just making a healthy choice. So what's ways that you will do
0: that? So like you're walking, I've seen, you've been actually going to the gym with them a few times.
1: Yep. Um, so we do, uh, we do gym programs Three days a week. We do uh, a swimming program where they actually do like full Olympic lane laps um, uh, one day a week. Um, we do a, uh, we've got a great relationship with TAFE here on the Gold Coast, and we do a cooking course uh, every other week, um, just like cooking healthy recipes. Um, nice. And then, you know, and then the rest of our days are spent, you know, like, the gang loves to go bowling or they love to go see a movie. Um, and you know, we do kind of like those, uh, prize activities as I like to call them as, you know, like you guys did a workout today. Let's go do something, you know, let's go do something wild and crazy. Yeah. Like kind
0: of like rewarding the good behavior.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And do you think that helps them associate health and wellness or doing something good for yourself with, something positive?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, a big part of the draw for our crew is that they're just getting to do it alongside their mates. Mm. Um, So they are just spending time with their friends and they're associating that they're associating healthy outcomes with doing things with friends and doing those other fun things. So it's just kind of, it's all of these influences that are really, you know, kind of coming together that, are hopefully going to help them set their own routine.
0: Yeah. And I think associating that with positive reinforcement is so important because often, especially as adults, when we're kind of past that young adult phase, or even through that time, you associate, or you tend to associate things like eating healthy as boring or bland, um, or, you know, depriving yourself of <laughs> something tasty, or, oh, I have to do exercise. Like it's kind of, Like it feels like you're sacrificing something as opposed to building towards something. Yep. Like that's a very common, like, especially when I first started as a personal trainer and I was like, I was very naive. I thought, you know, everyone loves training. Everyone loves fitness. Cause I was a sporty guy. I was like, if I could do sport my whole life, I would just do it. If I could eat well, I would, but I would deal with these corporate people that were, you know, kind of double triple my age when I first started personal training and they were like, I hate working out. It sucks. Like I get sweaty. I get sore. I get tired. The food tastes boring. So it's really important. I think that you're doing that, like associating it with building towards something with positive reinforcement with, Hey, this is actually doing something good for me as opposed to, Oh, this is just making me tired. And like, you know, I'm not seeing the results and kind of, if you keep associating that with something positive, it's going to be something that you can sustain as opposed to just trying to put up with it.
1: Yeah. And for me, you know, like I'm right there with you. Fitness has always been something I've really enjoyed. Um, And I think with my mental health side of things, knowing that the positive effects that working out have had on my mental health, I wanted to be able to share that with the young people that I support because, you know, there, there is a, a massive health gap, in um, Australia for people living with disability compared to Australians living without a disability. And the ripple effects that that has on mental health mm. is also pretty disturbing. So, you know, if we can help change that and we can help, you know, narrow that gap even just a little bit uh, by for, for our crew specifically by, you know, kind of getting them into these routines, well, then I know that there is a less likelihood that they're going to be struggling mentally.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, like I was saying, it's such a great cause, man. You're a champion for, for trying to close that gap and giving them, you know, the best opportunity in life. I want to wrap up the podcast with one question that I've been asking, And it's to do with just becoming better in general. This is the Better With Brock podcast. And my original thought behind this podcast was just to help people become better in any way, you know, whether that's through training, whether that's through nutrition or just through simple changes they can make or simple acts of progress that they can do. What is one thing that you do every day to
1: ensure that you become a better person? Oh, um, I think working in the space that i work in is um a big part of ensuring that i'm doing my part for society and for the world um but i think what allows me to do that is my focusing on my fitness and my nutrition because that puts me in a in a good headspace so that i can there so that i can then show up for the people that depend on me. So doing you like making sure that you're looking after yourself
0: so you can look after other people.
1: Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. You, you can't be the best version of you unless you're there for you first and you focus on that. And by doing so your, you know, ripple effect that that's going to have on the rest of the world. If you're in a happy mood, that's going to, that's going to, as you know, woo woo as this might sound, that that vibe is going to be what you put out into the world. No, I'm hundred percent behind that. I'm the same. I'm the same. Like I wake
0: up and I do my thing that I do every morning, my gratitude, my quotes, who I want to be, who I want to help all that kind of stuff, because I know that that sets me up. And like, so you have the physical people that you're showing up and working, you know, you have your support mates. I have, more like an online community or like a team, you, you know, that I feel responsible too. And I I used to have the face-to-face clients that I used to be responsible for as well, because because I remember when I was face-to-face personal training, I would be four hours sleep, I was trying to grow my online and do crazy hours and stuff. And I would show up every time, wake up 4.45, bang, walk into the gym, you know, do my thing, because you feel like you have these people to look after. But you can only look after them
1: if you're feeling, hundred yourself yeah absolutely a hundred percent because people whether you realize it or not people will know when you're not a hundred percent you i got that a lot oh brock you look tired today <laughs> i yeah. was like oh the yeah. people will recognize when you're not in the space you know one, one of my guys um who has an intellectual disability you know unfortunately there's a lot of people out in the world who will discredit someone with an intellectual disability but you know, we're all switched on in our own way. And, you know, there've been a couple of times where he's gotten in the car and I'll leave out the expletives, but he'll be like, bro, what the f- is wrong with you today? And it's like, you know, how did you like, what, you know, and they just, they just catch it. And, um, we are doing a disservice to the rest of the world if we're not looking after ourselves, because then we're not showing up for everyone else.
0: Yeah hundred percent. All right, man. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been awesome. We've been chatting. Well we chatted for probably half an hour before we actually jumped onto this. So for us, it's been an hour and a half podcast, but you'll only get an hour of it. But man, I, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy dude. Um, I appreciate uh, you inviting me along for this. So thank you. Yeah, man. I wish you nothing but greatness with support mates and you know, obviously with your results, keep pushing hard, keep that progressive overload, keep slapping those 2.5s on. Keep it, keep eating whatever you want, but staying within the fence. I like that. Yep. And yeah, man, we'll talk very soon. I'll, I'll see you uh, in your underwear for your photos, your check ins this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this just turned into a very different
1: type of podcast.
0: Yeah, no, but actually, I I, I get kind of. Like, you know, like you're saying, oh, when you give someone your phone and they're looking through the photos um, and, and it's going to be heaps of photos of you in your underwear. That's my phone too, except there's like, you know, like there's you and there's all these kind of other people around the world and people looking through my phone like, what is this guy doing? Like there's all these people like half naked in my phone. I swear. I swear it's just, just body transformation coaching. That's it. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Bro. I appreciate it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, bro. Cheers.